Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings and greetings in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. That is my customary greeting to you. And I think I will keep that. I hope you do not get tired of that because I greet you in the name of Jesus the Christ. He is our salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. He is how we have eternal salvation. And without Yeshua, there is no everlasting salvation. He completes us. We stand complete in Him. So now we're going to be in this podcast looking at chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. And we're just going to pick up and start reading in a continuation of this great chapter, chapter 4. And the conclusion of that chapter was to comfort one another with these words. That is his coming and the catching up to him. That we will be with the Lord, both those that have died, those that have not died and remain at his coming. We will be caught up unto him at his coming. And we will always be with the Lord and comfort one another with these words. Now, the believers at Thessalonica were uninformed of this. They were new believers, the majority of them from a Gentile background. As we go through this letter, it's very evident they're coming from a Gentile background. He wants them to know, we do not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Our hope is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. With that context, let's read the first 11 verses of chapter 5 as we're continuing this flow of thought. And Yoni's going to read for us today, and let's listen to God's Word. Now, as to the times and epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night, while they are saying, Peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. Now, when we look at these 11 verses, we're going to go through it verse by verse. He says, now, in continuing the the flow of thought about his coming, now as to the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. So as, as far as recognizing or knowing the times and the seasons, they don't need to write to them about this. Because I believe that they have already shared with them concerning these issues. 
Now, they were uninformed about those that have died before the coming of the Lord. So we do know that, but now they're coming to a, some issues that they should not be uninformed. Even though they were there for three weeks, they did a lot of teaching, probably a lot of ministry, discipleship. What we do know in verse 1, Now as to the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. So these were discussions that they had had with them, probably about Jesus' preaching that you can read about in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew has not been written at this time, but the message of Jesus and his ministry has preceded this. And Matthew chapter 24 is a real understanding of the prophet Daniel. That's the whole context that we see in that he quotes from Daniel chapter 9. So somehow they've had discussions about recognizing the times and the seasons. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Now when we talk about the day of the Lord, we must look at what he's been talking about, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the whole context here. While they are saying, verse 3, peace and safety, that's not what we are saying. And this is going to be very evident as we go through that will line up to what Jesus says in Matthew 24. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape. This destruction will come upon them. Those that are saying peace and security or peace and safety, they, which is in the context of the world, not the believer. Mm. But you, verse 4, brethren, are not in darkness. The world is in darkness. They do not have a picture. They do not have a biblical worldview of what is going to take place in the future but you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. That's very important as you go through Jesus' sermon on the Mount of Olives. We call it the Olivet Discourse, where he's quoting from Daniel, that nobody knows the day or the hour, but we should recognize the season. That's very clear from Jesus' teaching, recognizing the season in which we are in. So it's not like a thief in the night for the believer. And the context in Matthew 24 is for the non-believer. It's going to be like a thief that comes in the middle of the night. Not mm -hmm. for the believer. Same thing that Paul is saying, because I believe he's teaching the Word of God as he knows it from the prophets through Yeshua, he's teaching the same thing. I've always heard it the opposite. You know, I always hear it used, he comes like a thief in the night, and they say that in church as if, you know, as if there's no way of knowing the seasons of his coming and what's happening and all these things. But it seems like this passage is saying kind of the opposite. Yes, and Jesus said the opposite. He says, recognize the season. As believers, we should recognize the season in which we're living in right now. We should be able to look at the times and the season and know that the coming of the Lord is near. It should not catch us off guard, but it will catch the world off guard that's preaching peace and safety. 
we as believers know just the opposite. It's not about peace and safety. We understand that the world is going to come to a conclusion and it's going to be destruction that is coming and persecution against the believers. And that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples as you go through that passage. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, head for the mountains, Mm -hmm. talking to these Jewish believers, and that we should recognize the season in which we're living in And it should not catch us off guard. Now you say, well, that doesn't fit into my theology. But as we're going through this, it's very clear, you are not in darkness. Believers, you are not in darkness. You should know the word of God. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. What is the day? The day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. So, and it's in the context of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's continue. Verse 5, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night or of darkness. He's talking to the believers at Thessalonica, and what it meant to them is what it means to us. So the same thing can be said to us. You are sons of light, sons of the day. You shouldn't be living in darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Here we're seeing the believer is to put on the armor of God. It's interesting, as you go back into, say, Isaiah 59, God puts on the full armor and goes to battle against the world for our salvation. But in Paul's writings, we see now we're instructed to put on the armor. We'll see this in Ephesians and in different places. But we are to put on the armor because we are people of the day, and we're going to battle not a physical battle, but a spiritual battle. And we're to put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now think about what is our hope. Think about the context. We do not grieve as those that have no hope. We put on the helmet of salvation, or let me say it this way, And as a helmet, the hope of salvation, our hope is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's continue. Verse 9. Because God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The whole context here about those recognizing the times and the seasons versus those that are living in darkness Those that are living in darkness, the judgment of God will come upon them. It will be like a thief in the night. But us that are living in the day, we should not be caught by surprise. The coming of the Lord is our salvation. We have not been destined for the wrath of God, but for the salvation of God. That's what is being said here. Now, people take that verse and go all kinds of ways with it saying that we will not be here for the literal coming of the Lord, that the believers are raptured, caught up before the coming of the Lord. But remember in chapter 4, the catching up is at his coming. What is being said here, 
our destiny is not the wrath of God, the judgment of God that will come upon those living in darkness, but our destiny is the salvation that will be obtained with his coming. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I will say this. This statement is quoted to me every church that I go into that wants to talk about the end times, that wants to try to split up his coming from the catching up unto him. And let me just say, where did this theology develop? It developed from two men in England for the first time within church history that interpreted the scripture that the coming of the Lord would be split up into two events separated by seven years or three and a half years. They came to America. They developed this system. It got into commentary notes in the Dakes and the Schofield Bible. Mm -hmm. And so everybody started saying, are you ready for the rapture? Don't miss the rapture. Well, that's praise God. No, don't miss the rapture. But the rapture was always in, in his coming scripturally. But they separated the two and actually talked about three comings of the Messiah. His first coming, the silent coming, the catching up, and then his literal coming. The problem is, scripturally, we only have his first coming and his second coming. The two-pronged salvation of the Lord as the lamb and the lion. But by doing that, they take a verse like this and say, here, this proves that we're not going to be here during the tribulation, the great tribulation. But when you go back to Matthew 24, again, after the great tribulation, he cuts it short for the sake of the chosen ones. Because if he had not cut short this great tribulation, then no life would even be left on the earth. And his coming and the gathering unto himself in Matthew 24, same event, it takes place together not separated by seven years, three and a half years. And First Thessalonians is taking place together. When is the catching up at his coming? What was the message of the early church? Get ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. At his coming is the gathering. And there's, I guess there's nothing contextually in, this, in any of this context that would seem to indicate otherwise. No, there's not. And to take a verse like this, what he is saying... Our hope, our destiny is salvation at his coming. Mm -hmm. We have not been destined to wrath. That's all that the judgment of God is not coming upon us in order to bring judgment upon us and to condemn us. We have been saved and we have been destined for salvation. Mm -hmm. And he's coming. It's very similar to the book of Revelation. They will say in chapter 4, it says, after these things... So scripturally, that proves that the believers are taken out uh, from the great tribulation. That's what they say, the dispensationalists. But it's doing something unnatural to the text and making the text say something that's not clear. And so that's all that I'm saying. And and I guess that goes back to the general argument. Everything we study in Scripture should be according to the original intent of what the passage actually says, not what we could extract from the passage. Right. And when we come by systematic theology, then we come to verse 9, and we take this statement, for God has not destined us for wrath. And they say that proves it. The scripture says we won't be here for the great tribulation. But what it is here is making a contrast from those living in darkness versus those living at the light before the coming of the Lord. It should not catch us off guard. 
we should recognize the season that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, but our destiny is the salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. He is coming. We should not be caught off guard. We should understand the times and the seasons in which we're living in because we're not drunk living in darkness. We are people that are sober. We are people of the light, and our salvation is coming. We are saved, and our salvation is coming. For me, it's almost sad to take this passage, verse 9 and 10, and isolate it as some sort of proof that we won't suffer in this world because it's, what it's actually saying is so powerful and so significant, and it should mean so much to our hearts that we were not destined for wrath, but to salvation. And I just, I, I'm getting a little bit ahead of us, but it just means so much to me. So that whether we are awake or asleep, so whether we're alive or dead, we will live together with Him. Yes. The heart behind all of it is this heart of fellowship, this heart of unity. And that is the materialization of the salvation of God. Yes, very much. And he's encouraging them with this because he's writing to people that are being persecuted. Mm -hmm. This is a common theme throughout the first century believers, the followers of Yeshua. They're being persecuted. The first 300 years, severe persecution at times. Mm -hmm. People being murdered for their faith. Our theology that came from England to America about interpreting this verse in a way that's not in its context is coming out of a culture that's never been persecuted. Mm -hmm. How could we go through the Great Tribulation? How could we remain here? So they look at this and interpret, well, this verse proves that we're not going to be here because God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation. But the whole context is people that live in darkness that are destined for the wrath of God and those that are living in the light that should not be caught off guard with the times and the seasons, and they know that their salvation is in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's writing to persecuted believers. Yeah. On, that, on that note, too, I think it's really interesting. All of the letters that we have re read so far and, and studied through so far, starting with Jacob or James, and then Galatians and now Thessalonians, they're all to churches that are being persecuted in one way or another, and the message of encouragement isn't, hey, the suffering's going to get better right now, so don't worry, just hold out for a little bit. No, it's trust in the Lord, let the work of God be fulfilled, and you will be with God. God will be your comfort. Yes. Think about Jacob. And Jacob, I always say James along with it because some people will not understand what we're talking about. In the letter of James, he says, get stronger. He doesn't try to comfort them in a sense of patting them on the back that everything's going to be okay, but count it all joy when you encounter various trials and tribulations. This is going to build your character and your faith that you can have even a greater testimony for him. The problem in Galatians was the internal persecution mm -hmm. that was taking place that they were being attacked from the inside with bad teaching. And that sometimes is more severe than being persecuted from the outside. If you've ever been in the midst of a congregation that's going through internal strife over teaching and they do not have sound teaching and the gospel is being distorted, it is a ugly situation. 
And so persecution from the inside. But then we look here, the Thessalonians are going through persecution from the Gentile world, where in Jacob they were going through persecution because of other Jews that are persecuting them. They have lost everything in Jerusalem. They're scattered through Judea and Samaria, and persecution is coming from the Jewish world probably instigated by a guy named Shaul, who becomes known as Paul, that's writing to the believers at Thessalonica to encourage them in their faith that are going through persecution. Our whole faith comes out of persecution. If you go back into the Old Covenant, the people that truly had faith were persecuted. The people in the New Covenant that are truly following the Messiah have persecution. Jesus promises them persecution. So developing an end-time theology based upon God would not ever allow me to go through this type of persecution is just contextually, historically wrong. And so don't isolate, isolate a statement to develop a theology. I'm going to read verse 10 again. You quoted it. Who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. That is our salvation. That is our hope. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. Again, he's not promising them that they're not going to go through any more persecution. But our salvation is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We already know it within our hearts. The peace of God is in our hearts. But our peace is coming. Our salvation is coming. He is our hope. Praise God. Comfort one another with these words. Now let's go on to verse 12. Wow, we're already at 23 minutes. So let's finish this podcast with a prayer. And Yoni, could you close this in prayer? And then we're going to close up this whole letter in the next podcast. But so powerful what Paul is saying. And really take this word and place it into your hearts and know that God is with you and he is coming and you shouldn't be caught off guard. He is our salvation and recognize the times and the seasons that we're living in. Can you pray, Yoni? God, thank you so much for your word, Lord, for letting this be written down and we can use this as an encouragement for our souls. And I pray, God, that the significance of fellowship with you and what it truly means to be a son of the light, that that would really just go deep within our souls and it would be a spring of life, Lord. Thank you so much that you died so that whether we were alive or are dead, that we might be with you. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.